0: Welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, and we're not joined by Carl Mascarenhas today. 1 p.m. start on a weekday means Carl is busy with his day job. Michael Singh, who's been kind enough to fill in for us the last few with these afternoon starts, is joining us again. How are you doing, Michael?
1: I'm good. I got no day job, so you don't need to worry
0: about me, man. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> what do you mean? Soccer is your day job. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> We're breaking down United's disappointing 1-1 draw with AC Milan in the first leg of the Europa League. Disappointing on different fronts because it was a poor performance overall, but you still had United take the lead in the 50th minute. It looked like they were going to seal the deal and take that advantage to the San Zero against Milan, but a 92nd minute Equalizer, where United just completely switch off and concede a goal to Simon Kier off a corner. Tough, tough, tough pill to swallow.
1: Great pronunciation. Great pronunciation. That's a, that's a tough name. That's a tough name. I was going over it a couple of times. I was getting kind of nervous about it, but I'm happy you broke
0: the ice there. What was it, Kier? Yeah, that's that's what I heard the commentators say. So uh, yeah, good, That's what I'm going. About. Good enough. Good enough. I mean.
1: Yeah, like you said, it kind of summed up the day, though, to be honest with you. It just, United did not play well throughout that match. And we we talked about this a little bit before, but for me, it was the way that they lined up. And sure, it wasn't really Solskjaer's fault because of what was available to him, but there was no creativity in that side besides Bruno Fernandes. And I think we saw... How much this team misses Marcus Rashford when he's not in the side? Because besides those two players, and perhaps you can throw a Paul Pogba in there as well, there aren't many creators and, and drivers in Manchester United. So, take out one of those guys, and and yeah, this is the result today, and rather unfortunate. But like we said, I said you could you could see it coming.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that's disappointing about this match is against City, you saw. United's two CDMs move up the pitch, sort of minimize that gap between themselves and Bruno and really engage themselves in that midfield battle. This time, it looked again like they were stuck to the back four. Part of that is you don't have someone like Fred who loves to go in for those interceptions. You had Matic uh, starting in this one. You mentioned Rashford being out injured. So uh, you had Daniel James switching over to the left side. You had Mason Greenwood coming into the side on the right. Mm-hmm. Edinson Cavani still not healthy. So he, so Marshall starts up front. And then you also had Alex Tellez coming in for Luke Shaw. I was a little bit surprised with that one. I thought, especially with the home fixture for the first leg, I thought Luke Shaw might've got in, but part of that may have been the fact that he had a bit of a niggle from that city game. Mm-hmm. And so, as you said, Solskjaer, you know, not, not much of a choice in terms of who he can play when you consider all the names that are missing. You look at United's intensity against City, the way they came out with that press, really set the tone. It was completely the opposite here against AC Milan. You're hoping they can continue the momentum and build off of that win. And it was AC that dictated all the way. I mean, they had the ball in the back of the net twice in the first 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, yep. and right away, you can tell United was on their back foot. That, that first one, the handball. That was mm-hmm. that was something special, and I was I was almost a little bit disappointed to see it taken away because what a finish! What a it feels finish. a bit dirty,
0: right? When a goal like that gets called off,
1: definitely, definitely. I mean, I tip my hat to him, even though it was called back. Great strike! Unfortunate, I guess, that it struck the hand, but that is that is the rule of the game. I know some people were saying that was a little unfair, but that's what VAR is there for. If that's a handball, that's a handball.
0: So the one thing I will say in this case where I f- I find it a bit different, like obviously the argument is there that his hand was right alongside his body, but he did gain an advantage. Yeah, and so I think that is maybe why VAR ruled that that it shouldn't count. If it bubbles another way, then it, it probably gets away from him. You know, if his hand isn't there, he you know it probably goes to the side of him as opposed to in front of him where he can line up the shot. Agreed. So. I think that's where I can kind of see the call being made. Still a tough one. Uh, I think AC, even even with the 1 1 draw, they will be feeling like they missed out on a win here. Even, you know, we'll get into some of the chances that United missed, but (laughs) AC, I thought in the first half, were clearly uh, the better side. They dictated the tempo, they bossed the midfield. Yeah. Pr- pretty surprising. That was no, no at halftime for me anyway.
1: No. And I agree. And I would even go a step further and say, I would say like potentially even the whole match, AC really was on the front foot and kind of dominated and dictated play. I would mm-hmm. even argue that Bruno's ball over the top to Amadiel, that was a against the run of play. And right. after that, you know, Solskjaer makes the substitutions, which I'm sure we'll get into later. And, you're just inviting pressure like like you said it, it was ac milan just on the front foot didn't play that being said just taking a step back it was a really entertaining game because united had a bunch of chances which they could have you know of course buried and you know like you said milan had a bunch of chances that they could have buried so it was an entertaining fixture for a first leg usually those are a little bit tighter um so i'm excited to see next week and i think it should be fireworks there at the sancero
0: Let's get into the big glaring miss that is going to be talked about. Ball comes in. Keeper misses it completely. Harry Maguire just has the net in front of him. That's literally all he has in front of him. He sticks his left foot out clumsily. It it goes off his shin onto the post and out. It's hard to describe it because you literally have to see it to believe it. (laughs) Like, I don't think I've seen some bad misses from a player in a United jersey. I don't think I've ever seen a worse miss. <laughs> Daniel James gave
1: him a, a run for his money <laughs> later <laughs> in this match, but hey, yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, I like the corner, it's
0: literally from six inches out. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I like the corner routine, I like the setup. Bruno Fernandez orchestrated that whole play. I saw him before. I forget who it was that took the actual corner kick, but Bruno Fernandez told him to, you know, drive the ball low. I'll get him to the front post, and that's exactly what happened. Bruno came to the front post and he flicked the ball on. I don't think McGuire was really expecting the ball to be coming with that much pace. Um, Bruno's flick perhaps added a little bit pace, a bit of pace to it because of the the way the ball was driven in, um, and obviously it caught him a little bit flat-footed, but. Harry Maguire is probably the last person I want to see attacking that ball with his feet at the far, like, you know what, if anybody's making that mistake, I feel like it would be Harry Maguire, just because it, it fits the narrative so well. But damn, damn, what a miss that was. Can't you get something on a little bit better than your shin? Just throw your body yeah. behind it, throw, ah, uh, disappointing. And yeah, like, it was harder to miss
0: than it was to score that. It it was one of those where, you know, commentators so oftentimes they miss an easy one and you'll hear them say, oh, you just have to get a foot on it. You just have to get a foot on it. (laughs) That's really not true, right? Like, I I feel like that was Maguire's approach here. It's like, oh, let me just get something on it and it'll be in. And it's like, no, you got to have some type of decent technique (laughs) just to make sure, right? Yeah. Costly miss there. Then you go to the second half and. Obviously, Solskjaer wasting no time to start the second half. He subs off Anthony Marshall mm-hmm. for Ahmad Diallo. What did you make of that decision? And what did you make of Marshall's first forty-five minutes? I thought Marshall was
1: flopping a bunch. First of all, that was that's what stood <laughs> out to me. Like I don't know why you're throwing yourself down like four times in a half. The ref's going to catch on after the first time, and he's not going to give you calls moving forward. So, if something comes down to a 50 50 moving forward, you're not going to get those calls. So, for one, as a number nine, you have to be better at holding up the ball instead of trying to just draw a foul every time. Um, he just wasn't quick enough in, in his decision making. He was, there are times where I like I liked that he was trying to take people on 1v1, but it just nothing came to fruition for him. In terms of the substitution, I was surprised. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, especially right at the 45, I, named, I knew something needed to be changed. But, I mean, I was looking at the midfield for that. I wasn't really looking at Anthony Martial per se because I felt United needed a goal. I felt United needed some offense. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty odd to think about Anthony Martial coming off when you need offense. Um, with that being said, that's sort of a testament to where he is right now. And, almost what how highly Solskjaer raised Diallo as well. Um I was on another podcast recording a man united hit and I actually said this and I, thankfully it's not this podcast, so I can definitely <laughs> go back and say the opposite. But I said that Diallo was like he looked like he was like two, three years away when he first came came on. He looked like he his his touch wasn't there. He looked he didn't look confident. Um but perhaps that was just he needed some time to find his footing. But Another thing I will add is he's playing against Italian competition. That's where he came. He knows (laughs) exactly who he knows. So he came on confidence match great insight by soul shark. You know, he knows that, that, you know, he played against Italian competition. That's where he used to, you know, impress everybody. So, um, he's familiar against them and obviously he made the difference there.
0: Yeah. When I look back on Marshall's performance, I didn't necessarily think it was a bad performance. But I think there were a couple of bad moments that, especially when your manager is a striker, those become major red flags. Mm -hmm. And the first one that comes to mind was Alex Telles had picked up the ball in United's half. And he sprinted. He made a run and went all the way through with the ball into AC Milan's final third. And then he had to pull it back because no one was in the box. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but... There's absolutely no way Alex Tellez, with the ball, taking on a couple of defenders, should be racing a marshall without the ball to get in the box. Yeah. And so I think, especially when your manager is a striker, he's looking at that and saying, that is just unacceptable. Yeah. There's no way that can happen. And again, that just goes to sort of a mismatch in players' strengths, right? Tellez, great crosser of the ball, so that's what is in, in his mind. And then with Marshall, he wants the ball at his feet. Yeah. So he's looking for the cutback. At no point is he thinking, let me dart into the box to get this header, right? And so he's waiting on the edge of the box, trying to get the pass. Those plays are definitely frustrating. Overall, you know, I I thought he was okay. But anyway, go ahead. That's
1: really disappointing because when I first... And I agree with you, first of all. But that's really disappointing because when Marshall was first bought for Monaco, he was the type of person to get behind defenders he was always always he was pacey he he was he was young so he was almost a little bit naive in the sense that he he could just use his pace to burn everybody I almost feel like we've lost that from Martial he's evolved into a different type of player he's not a pure number nine for me
0: no but that's the position he wants (laughs) but that's the position
1: he wants and especially when you're playing him as a sole number nine Again, yeah. it comes down to being able to hold up play to being able to poach into the box when you're playing as that soul number nine. If you're not doing that, you got to be able to get in behind. And right now it feels mm-hmm. like he's kind of at this awkward stage where he doesn't know if he's getting in behind, if he's holding up, if what, what exactly it is that he's looking for. And ideally, as you said, the, he'd like the ball to be at his feet. I don't know if he's good enough to have the ball at his feet and just to create every single time. Cause that, those are the best players in the world that can do that and get away with it without being able to do the other things. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, there's too many weaknesses in his all-around game for him to play as that that soul number
0: nine. On the positive side, 50th minute out of thin air. That's, that's why you have Bruno on the pitch, right? United can be struggling, whatever it is, and he can produce a moment of magic. He sees Ahmad Diallo making a run. I'm sure people will point to the fact that That's a run that Marshall probably doesn't make. He goes in behind. Bruno spots it, chips it over the top. And then Diallo pulls off a Chicharito special. Knows where the goalie is, has his back to goal, and heads it backwards into the net. Mm -hmm. From a kid so young, to have those type of natural instincts, that type of goal-scoring prowess, that's really encouraging going forward. Yeah,
1: definitely. And as you said, like, Martial doesn't make that run as I was alluding to like he doesn't make the runs in behind often enough and it was just refreshing I guess for Bruno to have somebody on the other end of a pass and like you said what a finish <laughs> what <laughs> a finish go a face in the other way um, there's not really much he can do is except sort of that <laughs> and <laughs> he does it well and yeah all, all the credit to him, but what a ball by Bruno. What a ball by Bruno. And he's a game changer. I wish United could just duplicate him like 15 times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is where you see like how difficult life is for him, right? Playing alongside a Matic and a Scott where he doesn't get those opportunities to be as creative as he wants to be. They're not probing the final third as much as they want to be. And that's because, again... Matic and Scott don't offer what you need in an attacking sense. Mm -hmm. And they don't have that maybe that little extra zest of pace to go in for tackles, to press. Again, this is where when you play Fred and Scott, you can balance the two out, right? Fred, go in. Make those challenges. See if you can make an interception. If not, Scott is there to protect you. When you've got Scott and Matic... They both got to protect themselves. They got to protect uh, (laughs) Maguire behind them. (laughs) And yeah, it just becomes a very defensive, lackluster approach. That's what we saw for most of the match. As you said, AC Milan better in the first half, better in the second half. An extremely deserved equalizer. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. What do you think were the main issues with that corner? For me, I'm looking at it. Yes, Scott McTominay, a little bit flat-footed to contest the header but there's no way Dean Henderson shouldn't be saving that there's no way that he should not be saving that as you said like come on
1: (laughs) come on and you know he had a good run of form leading up to this this one um he was putting some pressure on on De Gea but (sighs) These are the types of saves that you have to make if you want to be a number one at a team like Manchester United, a top class, world class team. I think that uh, it's almost a bit humbling for him now because he was Mm -hmm. he was getting a little bit, perhaps even carried away before this, and uh, it's a backbreaker, man. There's no other way to put it.
0: I can feel the agony. I can feel the. There's no other way.
1: There's no other way to put it. Like there's no. We can't sugarcoat it. It was just a, a bad mistake and he has to be saving that that's yeah he has to be saving that
0: he was just completely switched off because I'm looking at it and I'm like there's no real need to jump at it the way he did it almost complicated the save he needed to make and that's partially because he's he's reacting because he saw it late yeah right and it's a bad reaction to go back to your point the one thing I find frustrating about Henderson is yeah he has played great and he has been pushing De And that's exactly what you want the number two to do. But the fact that off the pitch, all I've heard and all I've read about is how he should be the number one. He is getting frustrated and uh, impatient that he's being made to wait and all this stuff. And all season, not once, have I seen one story that says, this is a great opportunity for me to learn. From David De Gea, someone who's at this club, has been a four-time player of the year, is a legend of this club. Not once have I heard, I've really learned a lot. And I find that frustrating.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I totally agree with you there. Um, as a 22 year old, when pff, that's when David de Gea first came over to Manchester United. And do you remember the growing pains that he had to go to, go through to? Be- mm-hmm. I mean, sure, he was handed the keys, but that's because he accomplished something already in Spain. Like Dean Henderson, yeah. I, sure, you showed your worth for in, in the in the league for a season, but you haven't done it yet for for you know a, a first class club. Mm-hmm. Your time will come. I guarantee your time will come, but there's no need to force that move right now. I mean, you're not that good. Just, like, <laughs> like you're going, like you're going to be good by all accounts, but like you're not there yet to have that sort of the ego there where you're pushing someone like David de Gea, who's accomplished all that mm-hmm. he's accomplished, off to the side without paying him his, his respect. You know, it's like you said, it's it's not you haven't read that, and it's it's not something you want to you want to read from, or you don't want to read. I guess, yeah from
0: uh, from your backup goalie. Now, now he's got what he he's asked for, so he's got to be ready to take the good with the bad, and we'll see how he bounces back on Sunday because Deh is not back anytime soon.
1: Well, let's let's also see how the media responds to it as well. Uh, I'm interested to see how the the English media responds to it in particular.
0: No, for me, I, th- I think for sure they're gonna play it down. Part of why he's g- been getting his, his tires pumped and everyone's talking about him is because you know I guess they see him as a a potential option as England's number one he is English and the incumbent is Spanish and we've seen that bias before where the English player gets preference from the media English effect yeah exactly and so I think that's what we're seeing I think if De Gea makes the exact same mistake everyone is calling it an absolute blunder yeah right in the match itself right we've seen when De Gea makes mistakes straight away the commentators are right there to say he should be doing this, he should be doing that. Oh, he's yeah. looking over his shoulder. Dean Henderson's right there.
1: I feel like that's the you first thing own... they look for is whether or not De mm-hmm. Gea could have saved that
0: or not. You always hear that question, right? Yeah. Could De Gea have done better there? Could he? <laughs> you didn't hear that when he ma- when Henderson made this dis- yeah. this mistake, did you? He did
1: not. You did not.
0: Yeah, it, that that part of it is definitely disappointing, but you just hope that Dean Henderson can... Take this moment to humble himself a little bit, learn from it, and come back stronger with all, all the starts that he'll have in his bag coming up. Looking at the Cantona caller, this one's tough to pick out because, again, it was a lackluster performance from pretty much everyone. There's no one that really stood out. If anything, I'm probably leaning towards Ahmad Diallo because of that great goal and just you know the overall energy he seemed to provide after coming on yeah I
1: mean all ran through my mind Bruno Fernandez of course Eric Bailly, I thought he had an okay game um even Alex Tellez like he there was more i I wanted from him sure at times, but he he did his job.
0: I thought he was good I thought I thought he was really good. Yeah. I mean I'm I, I, I would have loved every time Telez starts, i I want to see Cavani in the team yeah, right because when you have that arguably player. your best crosser you want the striker that makes those type types of runs for those crosses. Yeah. Right? And So especially with some of the balls that Telez was able to get in today. I mean, he had that one ball where he was able to find Marshall and Marshall uh, had a nice volley that went over the, uh, that, that was actually saved by the goalie. Yeah. And they ended up going straight to, but you know, the, Tellez, I think is a good shout. I would, um, I would say um, Telez. I'll
1: give it to him. Yeah. You know what? Get love I'm with you. Often.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. Let's let's give the candidate caller to Alex Tellas. Looking at the Beckham Boot, United's worst player, who you're learn uh, leaning towards. Uh, Harry Maguire is a candidate for just for that miss alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked
1: about the Dean Dean Henderson blunder. He definitely deserves the candidacy. Uh,
0: the the irony of the Beckham boot is that Maguire would have certainly loved to have the Beckham <laughs> boot for that finish 100 <laughs> <laughs> <100%. laughs>
1: um and then martial up top he, he's probably rounds out the trio for me if i had to choose and between those three like martial's the one who he got subbed off at halftime and i think he deserves that the beckham boop there
0: interesting um yeah i i, I guess This is where I'm on the fence with Marshall because I didn't think, again, I didn't think he actually played that bad. I just think he made like two or three like real red flag mistakes that I think because of the season he's had just rubs people the wrong way. That little extra, even though United only conceded the one goal, I think I look at the CDMs being the main issue in this match. And so I probably lean towards Romani Matic. I'm on board for that. (laughs) (laughs) Because for me, you know, the lack of connectivity between him and Bruno, the number of misplaced passes he had, even when he tried to get the ball forward. uh, Overall, I thought this was just a disappointing performance for him. Um, I've said this in the past,
1: on the spot, every time I see an Imadimatic in the starting eleven. A piece of me dies inside a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, he he's not progressive. He's he's someone you put in aside that wants to park the bus, mm-hmm. and that's not Manchester United.
0: All right, one more award. The noisy neighbor. Who who are you leaning towards there?
1: I got a I got a local shout for us. Um, okay. So Fikayo Tamori, and he's mm. he's the center back there, and you know we were. we're Hosting this here in Toronto, so he's a he's a Canadian kid, and he yeah. uh, he obviously represented Canada at the under twenty level, and he's I think he's on loan from Chelsea, or they might have sold him. I'm not exactly sure, but he definitely moved over from Chelsea recently to Milan, and he he, he looks solid out there tonight, and he proved why people have him so highly rated. And again, he grew up in Calgary uh, before you know, moving, making the jump over to the UK when he was about eight years old. Um, He said he revisited Canada yearly annually. And he said it was a very tough decision to make when he had to make that decision uh, between choosing to represent England or Canada nationally. Obviously he chose England and he's trying to make his way back into the England national team. And I think a showing like today goes a long way, especially because you're going to have so many people from England watching.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, I think tomorrow is a, is a good shout. I think if uh, Rafael Leao could have connected on that volley <laughs> that he had, that that would have been an interesting opportunity. He had that run early, obviously, where he finished, and the, but the but it was called offside. It, like McGuire was so confident that it was offside, <laughs> I was like, "You want to maybe run back a little bit just in case?" The A R man, the A R. no more
1: playing till the whistle. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So you know. I'm glad that that didn't play out. But yeah, no, I'm with you on Tamori. Just quickly, what did you make of Diogo uh, Dalo's performance?
1: Yeah, I thought he looked like he could definitely compete and, and definitely fit in. Um, he didn't really look out of place, and I thought he threw a couple of good balls in there. Is he ever going to be a the starter at Manchester United? I, I don't know. I don't think that he's quite there. I don't think he has that potential, to be honest with you, even though he did show glimpses of, of being great in the past.
0: For me, there's better options. Yeah, I think for me, I view him more as, as someone who could be a solid squad rotation piece. You look at his ability to play right back, left back, slot him in at different opportunities. Obviously, that's something Brandon Williams is trying to do right now, but that competition that he could provide there. I think could be useful, especially when you look at the number of times this season specifically, where I've been like, Hey, let's get Aaron to Bisaka some rest for sure. And it's like, Solskjaer doesn't trust anyone else. Yeah. Right. And I, I wonder if, if Dalo was, was available that he would just go that way. And so I think that is potentially where I could see him fitting in. If, if those are his that's aspirations, you that's the thing that, that that's a different story, right? Is he willing to be a backup uh, player? And so if he's got a good thing going with AC, by all means, you know, uh, let him keep on keeping on.
1: It's weird to see him, like it's weird to see him just line up against Manchester United. Though, like usually when, <laughs> when you see those loans off, very very rarely you see them uh, come back and play their 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 former side. I wonder if that's like weird for him. Would it be weird for you, like playing your your team if you were on loan? Imagine that
0: yeah it's a it's so different from if you actually just get transferred from them yeah right because then you're like i'm gonna prove a point oh yeah you guys shouldn't have got rid of me this and that and now it's like it's almost kind of awkward if if you dump them out right like i remember way back in 2002 when south korea beat italy oh yeah and the guy who scored the winning goal for south korea he was with an Italian club at the time. Oh, and they no. let him go. Oh no,
1: yeah, right away, eh?
0: And I was like, "Wow." He's <laughs> <get him dirty." laughs> it reminded me of
1: what I thought of was the obviously Thibaut Courtois and Chelsea, and he was on mm. the one Atletico, and they faced Atletico. I think it was the final of the Champions League, and Thibaut Courtois just stood on his head. And the very next season, he returned to Chelsea with the Champions League trophy and everything.
0: <laughs> oh man. So we can quickly look ahead to that West Ham match on Sunday. West Ham obviously playing really well this season, competing for a top four spot. Champions League hopes. David Moyes has got them playing really well. Jesse Lingard has been playing really well. Won't be able to feature in this one, but they've still got plenty around it. I mean, you look at what Mikhail Antonio has been able to do this season. Uh, You got Aaron Cresswell on the left, just sending cross after cross after cross. This is going to be a tough fixture,
1: definitely. And West Ham's what in fifth place right now, uh, heading into mm-hmm. this match. And United are in second, right behind Chelsea, right behind Chelsea. Exactly. So this one's a massive fixture, and it's exactly why we saw Manchester United pull off some of their players early on today, um, with obviously like Bruno and Bre- that's why probably more reason why Luke Shaw maybe didn't even start the match, and Alex Telez mm-hmm. got the nod. Right. Um, West Ham's aside, you can't take lightly. I like United's chances of this one, that being said, but you just never know.
0: (laughs) You you just never know. (laughs) So yeah, this this is the frustrating part about United over the past month or so, right? Like the reason everyone felt so good around Christmas and New Year's is because it felt like they had finally found that consistency. Yeah. You were getting to a point where you actually knew what to expect every match. And now it almost feels it's not as bad as you know the first month of the season but there is again that uncertainty that unpredictability of which united team is going to show up you look at what happened you know with the nil nil draws before the city match then you look at their performance against city now you look at the drop off against ac milan who knows what we'll see against west ham that being said we know we will most likely see a four, two, three, one formation. <laughs> <laughs> one hundred. Um, and it's it's frustrating because
1: man, you consider themselves a world class team, the way that they spend, they should be considered a world class team. But the world class teams are able to roll out two, even three sides that are very, very good top five sides consistently the second they haven't built the quality depth they haven't built the quality depth you look like a, you look at a man city like the teams that they want to be compared against the man city the i don't we definitely can't say liverpool
0: <laughs> i mean right now and that's the thing right like carl and i were talking about this right now you look across the epl it's just city that can say that yeah. right like every every match pep guardiola has got to make a decision between Phil Foden and Raheem Sterling and Riyad Mahrez. And there's just so many for him to pick from, it's, right? You look at the way Ilkay Gundogan has played this season. Bernardo Silva can barely get a look in. And he's been great for them before. But it seems so. like
1: it doesn't matter which 11 he rolls out either. Like, whichever 11 that right. he rolls out, you're getting that same Manchester City that you know is going to control. Except
0: against United. Yeah,
1: exactly. Except <laughs> against United. You know, the 1 in 20 games or whatever they, they slipped up. Um, but yeah, you just you know that you're going to get a, a, that city swagger where they're going to be in your half, they're going to be making the runs, they're going to be coming up with these cool, intricate plays at the top of the box to kind of free up space. It's just, with United, you just, you don't have that a clear identity unless they're starting 11s playing. and You have Rashford, Bruno, you know, and Matic Fred, even Pogba in there. Like, that. that's... We're getting there with with the additions of Cavani, but he could also be on. <laughs> he could also be departing at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. if that part's frustrating for me, um, if they want to be considered a world class team and that can compete in a multiple tournaments uh, throughout the year, they have to add more squad depth.
0: Yep. Hopefully that'll happen over the summer. For now, in terms of this eleven, I think you're looking at obviously Dean Henderson in goal, and then you've got probably Victor Lindelof stepping in for Eric Bye, mm-hmm. just because it's such a short. Turn around, going from Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. And Juan Bisaka, we've said this before. He gets this is the man that gets no rest. <laughs> He'll be at right back, uh, left back. Luke Shaw will come in. I would assume that's the case. You'd probably have Fred coming in uh, for Matic and partnering Scott. And then I'd like to think Rashford will be healthy and back for West Ham. I hope.
1: I hope. But if not, you're gonna have to yeah go
0: go, go young. So for now, I'll probably pencil in. Rashford on the left, Bruno obviously in the middle. And then uh, on the right, I'll go with Mason Greenwood. Uh, hopefully, Edinson Cavani is back up top. Yeah, again, those are two holes. What happens if, if Rashford and
1: Cavani are both out? What are your options yeah. there? I think you move Mason Greenwood to perhaps Stryker. Um, you bring in Diallo back into the side because he, he
0: did So you well. wouldn't have Martial
1: then? And then I'd have Martial on the left wing perhaps. Okay. Instead of having him play through the middle, uh, that's just my personal preference. I think when you have both Greenwood and Diallo in the side, I think those two had a really interesting combination there on the right, where they kind of interchanged. Sometimes it was Diallo, you know, playing that center forward, and Greenwood dropping back down to the right, and sometimes it was, the, or most of the time, it was Diallo just occupying that right hand side with Greenwood playing through the middle. Um, mm-hmm. So I like the way they sort of interchanged there, and I wouldn't mind just giving Martial a little bit more space down that wing. Uh, for the reasons that we talked about. He's just not that pure number nine. So I do think he finds his way back into the squad. Perhaps it'll be as a striker, though. <laughs>
0: yeah. What about Daniel James?
1: That's a good show. It's a good show. Daniel James has been really good of late, but I think he went the full 90 today. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he'll have... I mean, I would never want to bet against Daniel James's legs, but I don't know if he'll <laughs> have that in him. And another thing to consider is, do we have to you know, pay more attention now to that next that match next thursday do there does that have to be weighing yeah. in the back of silsha's
0: mind does that affect his starting 11 possibly i mean i still think it's okay just because sunday to the next thursday that i feel like that's just about enough of a gap four days yeah it's a
1: little bit more yeah
0: yeah like obviously in a perfect world it would have been just like the real sociedad match where you take care of business in the first leg and now you can rest up in the second that's obviously not the case here. Uh-huh. So hopefully this was sort of the rest fixture, right? Where you didn't have Cavani playing. You didn't have Luke Shaw starting. You didn't have Marcus Rashford on the left. So hopefully what we saw right now was the opportunity for them to get the rest and they can really take care of business uh-huh. this coming Sunday and then uh, the Thursday after that. Anything else you want to add, Michael? Uh <laughs> I don't think I have
1: anything else to add, man. Man, I think we, we covered it all. I wish Man United could refine that, that swagger they had re- early on this year because that was mm-hmm. some of the most entertaining footy. But hey, that being said, they're, they're in second place. They're coming off that win against Manchester City in the Premier League, and hopefully they can build off that heading into this tie against West Ham.
0: Michael, thanks thanks a lot for joining me again. Of course, it's nice knowing we have someone to count on when Carl's not around. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm always here. For listeners, be sure to check out Michael's work, uh, whether it be Waking the Red, Raptors GC. You know where to find him. Actually,
1: yeah, I remember you asked you asked me this last time, but we got a little plug too for now, and I'm gonna add Footy Talks onto that, which I just yeah. I, I just started with them, and we're gonna be producing some Manchester United content potentially. So keep an eye out for that. So I want to give that a little shout out.
0: There we go, I like it. All right, another thing to look out for. Like I said, man, day job, uh, day job, soccer. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's why you're here. Love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> A reminder: we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, go ahead, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Mikey, myself, and Carl, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.